We're going to continue in this look at Ephesians chapter 2. And one of the points that I had made on Sunday is, how did God save me? That's no small thing to say. As a matter of fact, that is, more than any question, the most contentious, divisive uh, issue that has really grabbed the church throughout all of its history. What is the means that God uses to save people? You have certain branches of Christianity that, that basically contend that God saves you without anything on your part whatsoever. And you can, you can see by Ephesians 2. Go ahead and turn over to Ephesians 2 right now. And we're going to be focusing more squarely on verses 8 and 9. You close to there? Well, I'm there, so I'm going to read. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. That is one of the most theologically packed sentences in all of our New Testament. And my hope is, is that as we make our way through the book of Ephesians, we're going to be top notch in a deep understanding of the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. And we've been talking about that. We're going to keep talking about that. And just as Paul begins his letter by talking about that and then talking about it again and talking about it again before he even brings up the idea that, okay, now you got it. All right, now live your life worthy of that. Uh, we're, we're likewise going to build this foundation, build this foundation, build this foundation uh, for, for, the, for the next few weeks until we get done with chapter 3 because that's the portion of the letter where Paul continues to, on this emphasis. But nonetheless, um, it says that this salvation is a gift. This salvation is through faith. But then it goes on to say, just as maybe you're tempted to say, aha, so maybe if I believe hard enough, then I'll earn my salvation. Right. And, and it comes on the heels of that in basically saying, no, 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 no. That whole enterprise is not of yourselves. Right. It is a gift of God, not a work so that no one can boast. And as a result of passages like this, many have come up with, with this sense that, all right, if we're really going to, to extend this, and allow God to be God and us to really be in no way a player in this, then maybe what is the case is that we just, as God's elect, end up by divine decree to be the person that God stares down from on high. He, he sees Scott and he says, you are among the elect. And he goes in and he flips the switch towards faith from, from unbelief in, in the midst of his soul. Now, that, that position is what's known as Calvinism, or Reformed theology. And many, many, many kind of hold, hold to that idea in different branches of Christendom. Uh, the, the other side of it, then, would be, no, matter of fact, God does uh, bring us to faith, but He doesn't do it by going in and changing our free will. He doesn't interfere with that. Um, instead, what he does is he produces the conditions and gives the charge and makes it clear 
that we're to come to faith. And, and through all of that, we're able to be able to come to the very place that is his will. And I'm going to talk about those two things tonight and help us to appreciate how much God has really done to be able to get us to a place where we can even participate in being part of his chosen ones, part of his elect, part of the predestined, part of the inheritance to be known as God's precious possession and his chosen people. Now, uh, we, we looked at a chart similar to this on Sunday as we discussed Paul's phrase, the gospel of the grace of God, that he talked to the Ephesian elders about on the beach in Miletus in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And, and we talked a bit about, and again, I'm not going to belabor it because we did talk about it quite a bit on Sunday, that the difference between Christianity and every religion, I'm not including Christianity and religion in this case, is that in Christianity... God has already given the approval. And now he trusts in this gift covenant that that approval is so powerful, it will result in performance or obedience. Everything else, of course, is just the opposite. Everything else is, if you perform, if you obey, then the God of that religion will then decide to accept you. And if we're honest with ourselves, we spend more time in the bottom in the way that we go about our relationship with God than, than we do in the top. And what's the antidote for that? Uh, I, I think it's, it, it's multifaceted, as a matter of fact, if we're really going to be able to break free from it. Because everything that sets itself up in our life sets itself up to reinforce the bottom, for the most part. If you're in school, it's not as though your teacher says to you, Sarah... I'm going to try something new with you. And in this AP class, I'm going to give you a five. And now with that five, I bet it's going to so motivate you that you are going to learn AP chemistry inside and out. You go, girl. You're a five. That's not happened to any of you, has it? No, there's nothing like that. Right? It's not as, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give you a major bonus right now. Dave, with, with, with your contracting business, even though the job's not done yet, I'm going to go ahead and give you a $25,000 bonus for excellence in the work that you've done. Now, I can't wait and watch the way that you live up to that declaration of excellence that that homeowner has given you. Has that ever happened to you? No. This, this is none of our experiences. Everything in our life rails against this. It's only Jesus who does this. So it's no wonder that we want to be up there, but we keep drifting down below and we keep wanting to perform so that maybe Jesus will think a little bit better of us. Maybe God the Father will, will uh, accept us a little bit more tightly, securely in, in the way we go about it. Uh, and again, we're, we're going to have to Understand the doctrine of grace fully, fully, fully. And, and secondly, the, the two things we're going to have, and we're going to have to reinforce it in everything we do. Right. And here's, here's the hard part, is that we'll try and do it from the pulpit with all of our sermons, is, is to make sure that we're not inadvertently creating a performance approach to getting secure in God with what we preach. 
And we'll, we'll talk more about that. We talked about it a lot at our leaders meeting, but we don't have time for that tonight. But we also have to do that in our leaders meetings, in our Bible talks, in our discipleship times, and even in our quiet times. It's going to have to happen at every single level. And as we make our way through Ephesians and even through the other books, one of the, and, and as we have our Troas night, which is coming up on February 26th or so, the, the whole Troas night is all going to be on reclaiming the gospel for ourselves. And how it is at every one of those levels, we can get better at having a gospel message versus just a moralizing message. That is, hey, here's a Bible story with a great moral. Now you try harder to be like Joseph, to be like Ruth, to be like David, to be like Daniel. A lot of what we do with the Bible in our own quiet times, in our preaching, in our Bible talks, is exactly that. Here's the moral standard. Now you try harder to get there. What does that look like? The top or the bottom? And inadvertently, we create the performance approach as well. And it's going to take a lot, a lot to keep us from, from falling down to, to that lowest common denominator, to drift down below that, that line there. And again, we're, we're in it for the long haul, but I believe that we can do this because it's, it's much harder for a church that's doing nothing, but yet they always talk about the top, to suddenly talk about the top and do something. Why? Because it's been their culture forever to do nothing and feel good about it somehow because of the grace of God. We know the hollowness and the, the corruption of that. And we have a desire to do right by God. And we know the beauty and the blessings of obedience because we've lived that life and we know how, how sweet that is. What if we stoke the fires that produce that obedience by getting awesome at that top message. Won't that just then kind of create a, a conflagration within us in the boiler room of our soul by, by which it does then bring about the great work of Jesus Christ? Amen. It's only going to complement our, our very culture. And it's going to be amazing. But it's going to be so much work. And it's going to be so much like contemplation of kind of like high-minded things like the grace of God. And, and it's not easy. It's really not easy. And, and, and I'm asking you all to work harder at this, which seems like a paradox, to work harder at this than anything else you've ever worked at. But Jesus, when asked, what is the work that God requires us to do in John 6, 28? And he replies in John 6, 29, this is the work that God requires you to do, to believe to believe in Jesus Amen. and to believe in that covenant. That means we, we've got to trust in that covenant. We've got to trust that that approval is really ours regardless of what the performance looks like. We've got to trust that that approval is rock solid ironclad and that we can have that security and we can have that joy of knowing that that's the case. And to not ever take the shortcut from looking first at the depth of that approval that is already ours in Jesus Christ. And so we'll continue to do so. But let me, let me keep moving uh, for us to, to be able to hit our marks tonight. So how is it that, that God did save me? And in, in, in going into this passage, 
By grace you've been saved through faith. So that's what's, what, what's at stake here. We, we already looked at the means by which it happens. We looked at baptism on Sunday. and I think we're all pretty clear on all of that. that that's fine. But, but this mechanism by which we ever come to faith, by which it is that we become a candidate for the grace of God, because it can't happen without faith. Repentance is what brings us to faith. Repentance takes someone from a mindset of unbelief and brings about a change of mindset, metanoia, a little change of mindset, meta change, noia mindset. Uh, metanoia is the Greek word for, for repentance. Uh, but, but we go in metanoia from unbelief to belief. And the Bible clearly says that God grants repentance. And how is it that God grants repentance? I think it's the same way that God grants faith or gives the gift of faith. And this passage here says, you've been saved by grace and it is through your faith. But by the way, even that is a gift of God. And it's not by any work that you've done so that no one can boast. So if even faith is a gift of God, well then, maybe God did just switch the, flip the switch inside of me. Could that be the case? Here's here, two odd words that I'm going to show you here. Because one word you think you know, but then you realize in a minute, oh, I never actually understood it in that way. This is, this is the great debate throughout the ages of Christianity. Does God give us the gift of faith immediately or immediately? Immediately, in this case, doesn't mean right now. It instead means without mediation. And media, I, I'm sorry, I know, super like <laughs> theological, nerd, but pretty, pretty helpful and important because I, I do want us to understand the depth of, of, of these passages. Or does he bring it about mediately? That is with mediation. What is mediation? It means that some sort of a, uh, a, a middleman or a go-between or an external prompt comes to help bring you this gift. And uh, immediately means without any middleman, without any sort of go-between. Or, as I said earlier, immediately with Scott would mean that God does go in to the reach into his soul and flip the switch from unbelief to belief. And voila, uh, there he is. I, I believe that repentance is clearly a gift that was given to me. And I believe faith was a gift that was given to me. Because I didn't wake up one morning and suddenly decide, you know what? It's about time I repent. It's about time I come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. I woke up with yet another day of saying, another day, another day to see just how much ugly mess I can enjoy in my flesh today. And, and, and it's in various forms throughout my life. More debaucherous when I was younger and more about selfish ambition as I got young, older. But, but either way, it was all about my flesh. It was all about how do I keep on keeping on with my flesh. And it was God who T-boned me with disruption because He loved me and He gave me the gift of disrupting my keep on keeping on mess of wretched living. And you all... Could, could share your testimony, as could I, of how it is that God arranged, as Paul talks about in Acts 17, T 
time and space and place so that you could actually sit still and actually appreciate and hear and be convicted by the gospel message of Jesus. Which up until that point, you may have tipped your hat at and ignored or maybe gave half lip service or half-heartedly acted like you were doing it or faking your way through it just so that you would look good. But, but ultimately, that T-bone was effective because God persevered and it was a gift of all gifts to you. Now, you can reject the gift because if it's not a gift and it's something that is forced upon you, well, then it's no longer a gift. It's then compulsion by God. And it's not what we're seeing here in the passage. It, it doesn't say it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is compulsory. Pressed upon you by God. It, it doesn't say that. It is a gift of God. He, he has offered it to you. And who knows how it is that he stopped you in your path. Maybe it was that your parents were, were in the church. And, and, and God was able to use that to help you come to faith. Maybe it was that your spouse came to the Lord and his change or her change so stopped you in your path. You're like, whoa, I, I think maybe I should see what these scriptures are saying. Maybe it was just somebody that God put in your path that said, have you ever thought about a, a relationship with Jesus Christ? Or have you ever been part of a community of faith that maybe you want to come see? I, who, who knows how it's happened, but God did it. You, it it's not as though you, you, you came in here and said, hey, 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 you know what? I, I, I've been hit. What, you know, where's the water? <laughs> but to realize what it really took for God to really bring that about in you. And to realize, oh my goodness, a, a, a God who loves you so dearly. Think about Paul's baptism, by the way, the one who wrote all this stuff. And think about Paul's conversion. Was Paul's conversion one where God went in and flipped a switch? He did not. Now, it was all external and immediate, and it was intense, and it was by God. But it's not as though Jesus jumped inside his heart and flipped the switch. He blinded him, he knocked him off the horse, and he, and he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Um, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He brings conviction his way. He brings eye-opening revelation his way. He did it for all of us. And he had to do it probably in more profound ways for some than for others. But to trust that he is a good God and he sufficiently provides conviction for every one of us to be able to come to faith. And he is fair, more fair than we can begin to imagine. And he has provided more than we know for everyone this opportunity to be able to come to faith. And, and amen to that. And so then that means as we look at, as we look at this passage... It really is completely a gift covenant that you have been saved. Saved meaning that you are in a world of mess. And my goodness, what would have happened if he didn't intervene? But it was because of his love and his kindness, his great love with which he loved you, that he offered you all of this. And he allowed you to respond with trust. And that trust is paramount because without that trust... Without that trust, that approval means nothing. It is so huge that you come to faith and that you did come to faith. This whole covenant is based on trusting a gift covenant 
a promised covenant. Everything is contingent upon that. Praise God that he brought you to a trusting faith in Christ Jesus. And with, with that trust, you are then accredited with all the approval, with given the Holy Spirit, with the righteousness of Christ. You stand secure more than you could even begin to imagine. And this passage even says, all this kindness we're only going to know fully in the age to come. So the degree to which God has been kind and brought you to all of this is, is only going to be known greater and greater in the, in the age to come. But, but all of this is so that you will not boast. And let me just leave you with a discussion question. By the way, just as a side note, um, these three books are, are books that we'll, we'll try and, and read in the month of March if you want to get a head start on these. Not all three, but any one of these three. And we have three different people in the church on our website that will basically be doing um, discussion questions and discussion forums so that whatever book you're on, you can jump on it with them and have discussions with them on our, on our website. So Kirk Valencia will be leading a discussion on Strong in the Grace. Uh, in the Grip of Grace will be uh, Phil Booker and the Discipline of Grace will be uh, Matt Fisk. Uh, and they'll, they'll be working with their wives on that too so that it's, it's not just a guy thing. Um, but again, if you want to get a head start on one of those books, we felt like they, they, they have a, a different slant. Strong in the Grace is by Tom Jones in our Fellowship of Churches uh, and it's, it's, it's quite helpful. Uh, in the Grip of Grace is by Max Licato and it is very heart scene that gives a lot of illustrations and, and really does kind of tug at the heartstrings as we come to know grace. And then the discipline of grace is if you really want to go deep in, in, in grace, this would be the book that would kind of be a little bit more of an advanced one of, of the three that we've got um, offered there. So th that's just a thought for you. But let me, let me leave you on this as we take this time from now until 8.15. How is it that God brought you to faith? I want you to contemplate that. I want you to even discuss it amongst yourselves because this is all part of being better and better at preaching the gospel to ourselves. How does that, the way that God brought you to faith, take away your reason to boast? And then, this is a, an important question. How does that boasting end up destroying your security in your relationship with God? And I think if you think about it and talk about it, you'll realize uh, how it is that, that it undermines the, the very gift covenant of you are approved. And so, so therefore, um, you, you respond with, with obedience to that. Um, so let's go ahead and, and break to our groups and, and discuss this, this very thing. How it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. So no one can boast. Uh, with, with these questions in mind. So we can uh, break, and at 8.15, then we'll, we'll uh, jump over to children's ministry to get our kids.